Good to go. All right. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. It's good to see all of you. It's getting kind of chilly out there in the mornings, isn't it? It's nice, though, for Arizona. I love it. So um, let me open in prayer, and then we can get into the study here. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day that you've set for us. Father, we come to, to learn to learn from you and your son and father to understand those who are following after you father thank you empower us with your spirit so we can overcome all things that come before us we thank you again for the love and mercy we find in your son yashua our messiah and our king all right so hopefully this work here all right uh as you know uh living messiah is our website livingmessiah.com and you can donate there. Oh, and I forgot to say hello to all of our online guests and our family out there. Hi, guys. I'm glad you're with us and joining us. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do that to uh, Living Messiah and any of our, um, our, our studies here. That would be great. A thumbs up is always nice as well, too. And as you guys already know, we um, uh, comments and questions, just raise your hand. We have two mics that are out there. One of them will find its way to you, maybe two, who knows. But um, all we ask is just kind of be short, and we're uh, trying to stay on the subject that, uh, that we're talking about. I know it's hard. I even struggle with that one as well, too, because the whole purpose is we are all learning together. This is a Bible study that we come, and we're all learning. A say, I'm no different than sitting back there. So uh, with all that being said... As you guys know, i got to change that because we're not in Chapter 19. So if that's on the uh, YouTube, i got to change it. I think we're in 23 already. So anyhow, you, we're in the Book of Acts. I got that one right. Okay, as far as review where we're at, Paul is in Jerusalem. That's where we left, them all, left off Paul. He, uh, he ended up was visiting James, and this was the time of Shavuot that he wanted to make sure that he made it to Jerusalem. Uh, so he's visiting James at, uh, in Jerusalem in the assembly that was there. That whole assembly there, they're there for one reason, because they believe the one like Moses has come, that being uh, the Messiah, Yahshua, that prophet from uh, Nazareth. And just to clarify that too, John 1.45, it's interesting. Philip, remember Philip? Philip, when he found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moshe or Moses spoke of in the Torah and the prophets, Yahshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So you can, to me, that's emphasizing they were waiting. And I think the more important aspect of this is, at least for me, and this is strictly my thinking, my thought process, Look for the one like Moses, and then later the one like David, a king. Look for that prophet like Moses, and then later. So that to me, that works out just fine. We have Yahshua, the one like Moses, taught like Moses, did everything like Moses. And there's so, so many similarities between Moses and Yahshua. And then eventually there will be a king that will come as well too. That is our hope. That is what we're putting our hope in, that he will return, and, and he will return. So Paul is now defending himself before his Jewish brothers and a Roman commander, okay? Who, uh, this Roman commander, he had commanded the high priest, uh, the, or the chief priest, the high priest, and all the council to come, and they brought uh, Saul down and set them before them. The Roman commander found out Paul was a Roman citizen, and that was big. He found out Paul was a Roman citizen, and that changed everything, okay? So in short, what we have is Paul witnessing before representatives of Rome and the Sanhedrin, which is made up of the high priests, Pharisees, and Sadducees, okay? So this is, if we can come from, it that, uh, from that angle, who Paul is talking to, that's very important, uh, who he's talking to. And there's a lot of in-depthness that we, we're probably not going to get into. 
Uh, but there's a lot of political things, and I'll touch upon some of the things here. Uh, but in short, Paul is witnessing to these various groups of people. And for maybe for our just our basic walk in our life, let's see how Paul behaves and how we should be witnessing to our brothers and sisters, anyone out there, that image and how we should be behaving. I think that's a safe place without getting too weighty and all the other types of things that are here, which are great. They will add more uh, zest, let's say, to the text when you begin to understand who hated who, who liked who, and what was going on politically, Rome, and all the historical backdrop of everything going on. But that has to be for another time. So, so we're going. To, uh, so let's continue with this one thing in mind. Paul is faithful to the Elohim of Israel and the Messiah of Israel. Okay, that is who Paul is. That is who, uh, what I'm seeing Paul behave and his whole mission here in Acts. So we're going to pick up where we left off. I think Acts 23:9. Okay. So now Shaul or Saul perceiving that one part were Sadducees and the others Pharisees cried out in the council, men, brothers, I'm a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. I'm being judged concerning the expectation of the resurrection of the dead. And when he had said this, there became a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the crowd was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor messenger, nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So, again, for the basicness of Acts for our walk, maybe I can conclude a little bit here is, know your audience. Know who you're talking to. Okay, I think that's very important, um, and I know there's various methods that people do, but if you do not know who you're talking to, then you really don't know how to communicate what, who that person is. And again, I look at the picture that's given from Yahshua, okay, and his apostles. He got to know 12, but it, then there was like, what, three or four? He got to know even more intimate. He had relationships with that, with them, and from them, Oh, look, you guys are here. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't just out to everywhere. Relationships, I think, are very important. Knowing your audience, who you're talking to, so you can uh, talk correctly uh, to that person because you may be telling them stuff that they really don't care, but if you get to know the person, maybe there's something in their life and then you can relate it in such a way and then the Almighty can touch them through your words to their heart. You know, okay, I think that's important. So know your audience. You will be more effective when you share the hope that you have. And that's completely my opinion, okay? Take it or leave it. It's up to you. First Peter 3, 14, let me read this. But even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not fear their threats, neither be troubled. And I'm saying this because this is where Paul, I think Paul's kind of a lot stronger than maybe a lot of us would be in this type of situation. But it goes, Peter saying this to the rest of the assembly who Peter's speaking to. But set apart Yahweh Elohim in your heart. And always be ready to give a, an answer to anyone asking you a reason concerning the expectation or the hope that you, you have. With, and you do it with meekness and fear, reverence. Having a good conscience so that when they speak against you as doers of evil, those who falsely accuse you, Accuse your good behavior. This is dependent on your good behavior here. That's the key thing, all right? And if they accuse you and you're acting bad, well, this verse doesn't affect you and it doesn't apply to you. Only 
with your good behavior, right? Good behavior in Messiah shall be ashamed. They'll be ashamed, okay? But you don't be ashamed for your bad behavior. For it is better if it, uh, it is the desire of Elohim to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Peter sums that up real quickly. If you're going to suffer, make sure it, it's for him and a good cause that you're doing righteousness. But if you're going to suffer because you stole something, hey, <laughs> you brought that upon yourself, right? So there's a lot of ways you can look at that. Um, but I want to bring up, what is Paul up to here? And this is one of the things I did want to share because I was reading through and it's something I didn't catch right away. And then some of the things I was reading, I was like, wow, it was standing out right there. This is so awesome. Paul is very clever. Paul is very clever. He just confessed who he was. He was a Pharisee, right? He goes, men, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I'm being judged concerning the expectation and resurrection of the dead. Now, if you go back, when he was brought before them, it really wasn't about necessarily that. But remember his audience here, Pharisees and Sadducees. One believed in the resurrection of the dead, the other didn't. It's like, okay, I don't know. In my mind, I was thinking, what's a good way to demonstrate this? Okay, you're in amongst, you're being judged, and you got flat earthers and you got global people over here, all right? So you want to get one particular side on your side and you want to cause a division. All of a sudden, you, you, you yell out, I'm being judged because of the flat earth, and everyone's going crazy about that, all right? But it, it, so I think it's interesting how Paul, knowing uh, this, because this all began with accusation. Yes, Paul, uh, if someone could get Paul the mic. Oh, so this all began with uh, two accusations, okay? I have to remind you because the way we're, we're kind of speedily not speedily, but going through this. Back in uh, Acts 2, James informed, uh, informed Saul when he arrived, some Jews of her accusing teaching against the circumcision uh, and the other thing speaking against Moses and the tradition. Three separate things he was being accused of uh, or that one big one. The other was um, there was a person that accused Paul of bringing a Gentile onto the grounds of the temple in the temple court. And what is so interesting first, uh, did you, ha I'll have you comment first, Paul. So, yes, he was accused of something else that had to do with the resurrection. Because if we remember in chapter 22, where he started saying, brothers and fathers, listen to me. I make my defense before you. I'm a Jew. Yeah. And he talks about being studying at the feet of Gamaliel and how he persecuted those who were walking in the way. But then so, all of a yeah. sudden, there yeah. is this thing that happened to him along the way with... Yeshua of Nazareth, who they had killed. So how is this possible unless there is a resurrection? So yeah, his foundation, because he, he's talking about a lot of different things, and he's talking about the one like Moshe, but he's also letting them know that, wait, this is all founded on this thing that happened to me while I was on the way to Damascus, and I wasn't really trying to do anything except my mission because I had received letters to go ahead and stop these people who were walking in the way. And now here I am because of this event that happened. So it is connected. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. And but, I didn't mean to say that was the only thing. Yeah, uh, but, but so that gives him an audience. 
and you're right, sometimes we're so quick to speak that we don't know who we're speaking to. And so therefore, we don't find a common ground that we have to approach them to share, whether it's the good news or whatever the case may be. Yeah, uh, thank you, Paul. So it's interesting, you know, when it came with James, uh, some of the accusations, unfounded, obviously, that were against Paul. Um, one, he spoke against the traditions. He spoke against Moses. The other, he brought a Gentile into the courts. And, and, and needless to say, is to speak against circumcision, is that penalty of death? Even, let's say, in Judaism, is it outside of tradition? Is it a, you know? So you can see there's a lot of, oh, how do I say it? There's a lot of personalities and tradition things going on here in this group, let alone the Roman uh, commander who's in charge of all this, okay, who was about to, really uh, <laughs> do some things to Paul, but then found out he's a Roman citizen. So you got that uh, issue going on as well, too. So it's a big mess, and Paul's the center of it. And this is nothing new. If we, if we remember, everywhere Paul went, it seems like, because of what he stood on and who he spoke against or spoke of, it caused division of some sort, Okay. So, uh, and uh, this other one that I was looking into, bringing a Gentile onto the grounds in the temple. There, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, that's not saying that a Gentile can go into the most holy place in the holy holies, but there is no accusation, there is no only, as far as I could tell, in Jewish law, any Gentile there, that's a death sentence, you know? So uh, there's all these little tiny things that are here. So, uh, and I suggest go look, uh, look back um, in some of the history of some of the various things that, uh, that are here in the text. So let me continue on and I can get my thoughts going here better. Oh, say so in the law of Moses, there uh, there's a death penalty for te there isn't a death penalty for teaching against circumcision, but you are to circumcise your first time. But to say you know it's not death per se. Biblically speaking, uh, is it a crime worthy of death? I haven't seen that. I could be corrected on that. To bring the Gentile into the temple courtyard area or to speak against the temple. Speak against the temple. That's like a capital crime at the time. And remember, Yahshua said not one stone. He, he spoke against the temple, okay, itself. But all this actually is, it's about, uh, most of this is about tradition, especially that you do, especially the Judean Jews, those in Jerusalem, because that's around the temple, and there's a lot of politics and stuff like that. So this then, uh, again, going back to the simple subject here, Paul is defending his faith, right? Wouldn't you say? He's defending his belief, right? His faith and why he does whatever. But I, what I think is tricky here, it came to my mind, we're not to defend God. He's quite able doing that himself. And what happens through doctrines, traditions of men, commandments of men, and things like that, all of a sudden, you know, we're going to defend our God. Well, if you need to defend your God, I think you better change to another God. Honestly believe Yahuwah, he is well capable of defending himself. It's you in your walk. Defend what you do, why you do what you do. And there is a dramatic difference. And sometimes I think um, that can get lost 
Because a lot of people are out there defending God. You know, now it's you. So he, again, goes back to this uh, subject. I'm being judged concerning the expectation and the resurrection of the dead. Obviously, that's the hot button with these two groups. Okay? And there was a great uproar, and, and a, um, a certain, certain of the scribes of the party of the Pharisees were earnestly contending, saying, We find no evil in this man. See, his Pharisees brothers are jumping in. But why are they jumping in? Sometimes I wonder, is it just because idea rather than they, I don't know. And if a spirit or a message, or I'm sorry, the Pharisees were earnestly contending, saying, we find no evil with this man. And if a spirit or a messenger has spoken to him, let us not fight against Elohim. That's a great statement, but I wonder Really, was it just for the sake of an art theological argument that they're jumping in because of our brother Paul? Either way, I don't know. There's a lot of dynamics going on here. The one, and then it goes on, and a great uh, uh, dissension having come, the commander, here's the Roman looking at all this, fearing least Saul should be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the body of soldiers to go down and seize him from their midst and bring him into the barrack. Because remember, he's looking at Paul a little bit different because he's quite aware that he's a Roman soldier. I can't have this. If there's a mess here and a riot, that's coming on him. So in some ways, he could care less. But it's his neck on the line, per se. But amongst this, he's seeing what? He's seeing... Yeah, He's seeing believers in God against believers in God behaving not like believers in the God of Israel. Right? This is what he's, this is the Roman soldier seeing this. And I think that's a very evident going back to your witness and how you behave. Because it seems like Paul's the only reasonable one here. You know, it's these other groups. So we'll, we'll go on with that. So this is crazy. The commander just is trying to find out information here, okay, on one aspect of it. Why there was this great issue between them, you know? So let me remind you who's in this group that's gathered here. We have the Roman commander, Paul, and this is the highest leadership there is here for an example of the God of Israel. The high priests in the Sanhedrin, they're the, I would say, the top leaders of the faith being looked at here. And then again, like I said, this is ultimately a witness to this Roman soldier. Right? So, again, I have to bring up I just thought it was something that we always have to remind ourselves. One, how does this look to the outsider? How's this looking to this outside Roman? Even though he could care less and he's going to shave his own neck, he's still hearing stuff and watching behavior. So that brings us back to us. If we turn it on, how, how does our walk, how does what we do look to those on the outside. Sometimes I don't want that to be seen. I fail. And I'm sure each and every one of you fail at that. But we must continue to correct that. To look. Again, going what Peter said. Hey, if you're going to be persecuted, make sure it's for doing righteous deeds Righteous things that are pleasing to the Most High. Not anything that wouldn't be. Because then it's just not good. So, ultimately then looking at it, is this, ultimately this behavior that here, that we see here going back and forth, 
and you'll see it's even going to get worse. Okay. Is this how we should behave in Messiah? No, of course not. No brainer. But we have to be on guard because it's so easily we can we can be coaxed into certain things easily. Uh, we all have different types of personalities and you know, I have my weaknesses and sometimes it's just whoa, you know, you know that old term where oh all of a sudden you find yourself outside of the spirit and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to tame that person because I know that's wrong, you know? And so we have to be constantly on it. I was, and the other thing is, it's in other places as well. And we got to watch because um, speaking with a brother of mine, we, we talk a lot about this and it, I'll sum it up this way. I had mentioned to him, sometimes I hear the world calling. It, you know, it, its voice is there too, just as much as Elohim. You know, and we have to be on guard of what that voice is. It's in movies. It's in, uh, nowadays it's all over the internet, calling you to believe this, calling you to believe this conspiracy, this and, you know, some of that all might be good and everything. It might be true, but it's so easily you can be repeating things that are not necessarily true. You know, uh, Paul. Yeah, the mindset would be similar to what is spoken of in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 4 through 7. And this is, again, it's an admonition for us as believers, but it's the similar type of mindset. It says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civil or civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So here is something that's taken place that's a religious debate, a civilian affair mm -hmm. coming from a Roman commander that it's not his issue. And like you're mentioning, I mean, Yeshua said to be no part of this world because if you are part of this world, the world loves what it's own. So who is our commanding officer? You might ask, how are we to respond when we're getting involved in civilian affairs or civilian matters? So this Roman commander is looking at these matters that are going back and forth and realizing now that Paul is a Roman citizen and what's going on between the Pharisees and the Sadducees is really, from his perspective, a civilian affair. And it's like, if he violated no Roman law, why is he even here? So seeing that, he's using that discernment and saying, well, wait a minute, you know, this is really not the place for this debate. Those debates between religious leaders of the Yehudim have been taking place for centuries, and they continue to this day. And so that's something that we have to be able to parse out, even when we start looking at the different views, whether they come from this rabbi, this rabbi, this sect, or this group, is, is this something that we should even be participating in? And like you mentioned. No, that, that's interesting, because... Uh, thank you, Paul. What brings up, remember Yeshua, he came to that one Roman soldier, uh, I think for his son to get healed. And he said, you know, I'm under authority. If you say so, I just go. And he, <laughs> Messiah said, what? Of all of Israel, I haven't seen such great trust, faith, believe in my word. And he was a Roman. But he understood this idea of authority and what Paul was sharing. Not, I, whatever's going on, I need my son heal or whatever, or I think maybe a servant or something like that. But if you say it, I know how things work here. So I think that that's interesting. Thank you, Paul. So going back here, here's something to look at. Is this a righteous counsel in priesthood that's going on here? Alex isn't here, and this would help answer. No. We have to be honest. This priesthood, this council is corrupt. 
I'm not calling all Jews at the time corrupt, but these people are corrupt. We can see the way they behave. Okay? And it's quite clear you can see the history of who was bought, who was paid to be a high priest, who came in, and so many other little things going on. So we can't lie about history. So it seems that the council then ultimately isn't all that righteous if we go by Scripture. These shepherds, if we use that term, aren't doing so well here. Okay? Because let me remind you, and this is some of the little bit of politics here, the high priest, who was he? He was a Sadducee. He wasn't a Pharisee. So remember how we talked about when they came out of Babylon, the synagogue was there. You had the temple, the priest. That was Sadducees. The synagogue was Pharisees. So you have, you had friction between the two. You, it's just the way it was. Okay. And I don't need that to be taken any more an idea of the Jew. No, because <laughs> you can look at that no differently with Christianity. With one particular thought process and another particular thought process. Okay? And a lot of times they come together and they behave like a pagan. They behave like the secular world does. Anyhow, so this high priest, he was a Sadducee. Let me see, where did I leave off? Let me read uh, uh, 12. And when it became day, some of the Eudim made a conspiracy and bound themselves under oath saying that they would neither eat or drink until they had insulted Paul, brought him to justice. Is that what that says? They sought to kill him. And those making this conspiracy were more than 40 of them. That's a lot of guys who, having come to the their own little group off to the side, no, they came to the chief priest and the elders, the Sanhedrin, we have bound ourselves under a great oath to, to not eat at all until we have killed Shaul, Paul. Now then, you with the council inform the commander to have him brought down to you tomorrow as intending to examine more exactly on about him, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So these 40 men are conspiring with who? Just regular Joes off the street? Some Romans? No, they're conspiring with the high priest who's a Sadducee. So in some ways, you have, you have groups that don't like each other or coming against each other against Paul. Wanting to kill him. So this high priest, like I said, he's a Sadducee. And why this is important? Because he controls the information. He's, you know, uh, of what's going on. So he can hide all this from whoever. Remember Paul's comment to the high priest? I, I come across this, and I just thought this was interesting. Back in Acts 23, too. And when the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth, remember? He was there, that council in the beginning, one of the sections, and Paul said something, and the high priest said, slap. And they obeyed. They shamed him, okay, from the high priest. And Saul said to him, Elohim is going to strike you whitewashed wall. And do you sit in judging me according to Torah, and do you command me to be struck contrary 
to the Torah. And those who stood by said, Do you revile the high priest of Elohim? And Saul said, Oh, I didn't know, no, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it has been written, You shall not speak evil against the ruler of your people. I wanted to do a little twist because I read something in, on this and I'm like, I, I think it's more in Paul's style, in my opinion. Paul quite knew he was the high priest. Being a high priest, you wear different things. Paul's not stupid. He grew up a Pharisee. He grew up knowing everything. Even though I was reading, he would have been removed from understanding who the high priest at the time. The high priest is dressed a particular way. So he knew that he was the high priest. This is an idea that I thought was interesting. Give me a second here. Especially with the backdrop. And he ends up calling him whitewashed. Okay? And a whitewashed tomb is, there's this, you know, little section of, of color on this and what's behind there. Just a thin layer of whitewashing behind is ugh, nothing. Right? And I just thought this was interesting. Because if Paul did know that he was the high priest, and by the way, Paul's a Pharisee. High priest is the Sadducee. So maybe a little bit of Paul's nature coming back. Well, oh, I didn't know you were a high priest. I think he well knew he was a high priest, knew he was a Sadducee, knew the history that the Sadducees bought their way into the high priesthood. So maybe there's some more layers to this going on. And then he says, you know, it's not good to strike the high priest, contrary to Torah. In some ways saying, you know what, I really didn't strike the high or say that to the high priest. Because he's not a high priest. He's been bought and sold from Rome. I don't know. But it adds, there could be, a, that could be a real dramaticness of what's going on here. I don't know, but it's interesting. Paul, I'm sure you have a different view. Absolutely. So imagine. <laughs> Sorry, Ralphie. No, this is the fun part. Love you, brother. Um, so one, here is a angry mob an illegal assembly. The high priest is not always dressed as the high priest. So you grab and you put together a mob of people. He's not wearing official high priest yeah. garb. And he's standing there with the rest of the uh, Yehudim, the religious leaders. And they're all dressed in pajamas or whatever they dressed in casually. <laughs> because what? why are you bringing them here tonight? Because you know there is an issue. And so he's not dressed as a high priest. So Paul, recognizing that, yes, he's a, a, a Sadducee, but doesn't know that he's the high priest because he's not wearing the garments, right? So he's approaching him the same way he would any other Sadducee, going ahead and saying, you know, listen, you, whatever the case may be. And now he says, how dare you speak to the high priest that way? And it's like, oh. I'm not going to disrespect your authority, whether it's recognized by the Pharisees or the Sadducees or anybody else, period. He's recognizing him, and so he steps back away from that. So that's the reason I think that he didn't recognize him, because this is a flash mob that just appeared. Just, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Now, did you guys just see what happened just now? We sit in a drosh, different opinions, different ideas going on in the text. And I love Paul still, and he loved me. <laughs> but this, uh, this is what I'm saying. There's so many different interesting aspects behind this. And thank you, Brother Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Uh, teacher, I think Paul has the trump card here. <laughs> <laughs> the other Paul. Yeah, the other Paul. So... But this is interesting because you have all these interesting dynamics going on. And what I think is important 
I think it, when there's, and I'm sure uh, you could find a lot of other historical information that might uh, go this way, this way, or a fourth or sixth way, you know, on what's going on here. But at the end of the day, these are ultimately see humans, okay, men that aren't behaving according to Scripture, okay, regardless. And that's a lesson that's easy on the surface for all of us to take home, okay? So thank you again, Paul. Uh, 16. And when Saul's sister soon heard of their ambush, he went and entered into the barracks and reported to Saul. Oh, there's a comment. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's interesting that you spoke about this because that's what I was going to mention something about, which is I find it interesting that what Paul says when he realizes this is the high priest is he says, it is written. And Correct. he quotes um, Exodus twenty-two twenty-eight, saying, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. He's he's letting them know that the weightier matter is is that I was unaware and the commandment to honor those that have been put in authority is something that I do honor. Even though he didn't agree maybe with his political view, he was the person that was put in a position of authority. And I think Paul is acknowledging here that I acknowledge that all authority has been put in place by the Most High. He deals with these things. I just have to do what's right on my end. Hmm. Thank you. So there's this plot that's going on to kill Paul, that they've come together. All of them. The religious leaders uh, at the time. So Shaul, having called one of the captains to him, said, Take this young man to the commander, for he has somewhat to report to him. He indeed took him. And I think why this would happen, remember, uh, if, if Paul wasn't a Roman citizen, this might not have been relayed, possibly. Because only because he's a Roman citizen, if he wasn't, and maybe they could care less. I don't know. It's, it, it, there's all kinds of interesting things that are coming to my mind. He indeed took him and led him to the commander and said, The prisoner Shaul called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you, having somewhat to say to you. And the commander, having taken him by the hand, went outside by themselves and asked, What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, The Udim have agreed to ask that you bring Saul down to the council tomorrow as intending to inquire more exactly about him. Therefore, do not let them persuade you, for more than 40 of them lie in wait for him, men who have bound themselves by an oath either to, neither to eat or drink until they have killed him. And now they are uh, ready, waiting for the promise of uh, uh, waiting for the the promise from you then the commander dismissed the young uh, young man having commanded him informed no informing him inform him no one that you reported this to me so this is interesting in, in my aspect this in some sense this began with Paul's vow. One of, one of the things that started this whole thing was Paul's vow of purity. And now we have a vow to kill, to murder. If that's not a distinction right there, I don't know what to say. Paul wanted to show that, hey, I believe in the God of Israel. I believe in the Moses the Torah and these traditions that I'm doing I am I'm not guilty any I will show you I'll vow, take a vow of purity to show you and then these guys they're taking a vow to kill him these 40 men 
are taking a vow based on what? On Scripture? No. They're taking a vow based on the commandments of men. Let's say they're taking a vow based on theology, doctrine, basically on being Jewish. It's like taking a vow, let's say, let's flip this so it's not trying to be one-sided here. It's like taking a vow of murder for the God of Israel. And you're a Christian. You're a believer in the Messiah. Because God needs defended and you need to kill somebody. Is it not? Oh, with your mouth even. So, you see what I'm saying here? This is interesting. So, there, it's no different than I would say nowadays, taking a vow based on doctrine or theology. Even if it isn't about murder or something terribly wicked. But are you, when you're vowing your life, is it based on doctrine and theology? Or is it a vow... Or is your adhering to the God of Israel and the things that he said? Because there can be a drastic difference between what he says and when it gets into religiality or whatever. I made that word up, maybe. But it gets out in, you know, into the assemblies of those who uphold the book. Just thought I have. So those who are for the Elohim of Israel against those of the, uh, of the brotherhood. Believers of the God of Israel against believers of the God of Israel is what we have here. And I worded that way because that can be used in not just this scenario, but we see it in denominations, we see it in the big umbrella canopy of Christianity itself. Okay? Because you do have those who believe in the God of Israel against those who believe in the God of Israel. All the time. And we have a hand up over here. So, only one way to know who follows the God of Israel. And I'll leave it there and then Polly. So for just a minute, if I could be the legal defense for the Sadducees. In their very best defense, they believed that what they were doing according to their doctrinal belief or their theological belief, they believed what they were doing was right. They felt like they were standing up for their beliefs they felt like they were standing up and they needed to do what is right according to the way that they view their relationship with the Most High. We're looking at this from a distance, from years of a distance, and we get to see the bigger picture of two sides of an issue that's laid out here in front of us. So sometimes, as we can see in this story, somebody stands up for something that they feel very strongly about in defense of that, and maybe there's more when you look at the bigger scope of things that needs to be considered. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think there's always that avenue to entertain and be on guard about. Thank you, Polly. But I think... Uh, oh, we went by past time. Sorry. <laughs> So I want to then let's leave, uh, leave with this. And I think this is important for all of us. The only way to know who follows the God of Israel, I think one of the key things is the, the actions will speak for that. Right? Paul. And everyone, and like Polly was saying, I think some of what she's saying I can agree with. But sometimes there's people who, just because you think you're doing right doesn't mean it's right. And there's where we have to come back and double-check ourselves, you know? Because these zealots 
zealous for the God of Israel, all of a sudden they're a murdering crowd of 40 men. You know? Thinking that they're doing right, but the end of it is they're upholding the commandments that was given by men over time. So let me leave you, let me see. Let me uh, just leave it there. Let me uh, close and pray. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for, uh, for your record of all these events. And Father, we honestly, we want to understand them for the sole purpose to, to guard ourselves against them and for us to be guarded in the sense that we can walk more in your path and in the likeness that you uh, have put forth in your son Yahshua. Father, thank you again for the forgiveness of sins that we find for your son Yahshua, your only brought forth, who has died and who has resurrected and now is at your right hand and we await the uh, righteous king's return. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone.